Welcome to the You on the Camino de Santiago podcast, Season 3. This podcast is for and about people getting ready for their first ever pilgrimage on the Camino de Santiago in Spain, France, and Portugal. With your host, Camino guide and longtime pilgrim, Nancy Reynolds of the Camino Experience. you this week from Saria on the Frances route of the Camino de Santiago, where I am meeting up with Pilgrim Maurice. Do you remember Maurice from season two? He is an American pilgrim who is getting ready to walk the Frances route starting from Saint-Jean-Pied-du-Port in mid-September. Hi, this is Nancy, and one of my favorite things about this podcast is that I get to meet and talk with pilgrims who are deep into their plans and preparations for their first pilgrimages on the Camino de Santiago. And then I get to meet some of them on the trail. This time, it's Maurice. Maurice found this podcast through Lee Brennan's podcast, The Camino Cafe. Lee had me as a guest on her podcast back in February this year. And what fun that was. I have the link for that podcast episode in the notes for you. Since finding this podcast, Maurice has been one of my biggest supporters. He was the first person to purchase my Camino Frances Getting Started audio guide when it launched in August this year. And I am eager to hear how the guide has been supporting him on his walk. I will have an update for you on that next week. This week, though, I'm going to be sharing tips directly from the trail. I spent a few days last week at what the guidebooks say is the start of the Frances route, specifically from Saint-Jean-Pied-du-Port to Pamplona. Then I made two brief overnight stops in Logroño and León before picking up a rental car that I will have for the next three weeks while I am the writer-in-residence at the Stone Boat Guest House in Robinal del Camino. More on that next week, too, because I want to give you the details on how you can also be a writer-in-residence at the boat for a winter writing retreat. Before I get to the tips from the trail, I want to follow up on my promise from last week to let you know that I am now offering one-on-one All About You coaching and mentoring sessions for pilgrims getting ready for their first or any pilgrimage on the Camino Frances. For many people, this free podcast is all they need to plan and prepare for their pilgrimage on the Camino. Or this podcast plus a zillion YouTube videos and five or so Facebook groups. But I know that some of my podcast listeners are also interested in something more personalized, something that is all about you and your Camino experience. Camino coaching or mentoring is for you if you have reached a point with your Camino plans where you want a second set of experienced eyes to look over what you've come up with. Or if you've been listening to this podcast and you're still not quite sure how to take everything you're learning here and turn it into your own personalized Camino experience. 
It could be that you're down to the wire, about to leave home to head to your starting point, and you find yourself overwhelmed by all the last minute decisions and to-dos. Or maybe you are feeling more than overwhelmed. Maybe you're terrified that you're going to mess this all up or fail. Or it could be none of that. Perhaps you are simply suspicious that walking the Camino is going to change your life and you would like some support reconnecting with a forgotten or abandoned dream with setting goals, sorting out your motivations, and aiming higher than you have ever aimed before. Wherever you are in the process, I can help. I would love to help. And guess what? You get to choose your goals for coaching. This is you time, you on the Camino time, to talk about whatever you want, whatever you need help with, whatever is on your mind. I've just finished working with two pilgrims who found themselves just weeks away from their departure dates, still with lots of questions and logistics to work out. With one, I did a three-hour session to, among other things, pull together the flights, trains, and buses to get him to his starting point. With another, we did two 90-minute sessions and talked through things like what the experience of walking the Camino would be like for her, how she would meet her specific dietary needs, how to pack and prepare for the unpredictable weather forecasted, and how to calm those last-minute nerves. I'm also working with another pilgrim who will walk the Camino Frances next year, in the spring. She wanted a second set of eyes on her plans to look over how she has pulled together information from those zillion YouTube videos, Facebook posts, and other online resources. She and I are both vegetarians, so we will be talking about that in one of our future sessions as well as what kind of accommodations to book, which ones can be booked in advance, and some recommendations based on her needs and interests, and anything else she wants to talk about. Pilgrims have so much in common, yet still each is unique with specific needs and wants to make their pilgrimage entirely their own. When we work together one-on-one, I will ask you questions to understand what you want, what you are longing for and dreaming of, and I will make specific suggestions on how to ensure you have the experience you envision. If you are interested in learning more about working with me one-on-one, there are three easy ways to connect with me. One, there is a link in the show notes for the page on my website for this service. Two. If you are having trouble accessing the show notes, you can go directly to my website, thecaminoexperience.com, and look for the menu tab called Coaching. And three, you can send me an email and let me know that you're interested that way. My email address is the name of this podcast, youonthecamino at gmail.com. Here's the catch, though. I have only three spots left on my calendar for coaching pilgrims as this episode airs. So if you're interested, please let me know as soon as possible so you can secure your spot. Now, if you're listening to this episode after October 2023, let's definitely connect by one of those three ways I mentioned 
because it is possible my calendar has opened up. And I would love, love, love to support you in making your Camino dream a reality. Oh, and one more thing. Because my experience and expertise is on the Frances route, at this time I'm working only with pilgrims who plan to walk that route. Okay, shall we move on to those tips from the trail? Let's start with a safety tip. I'm writing this from the Camino Frances route, but this tip applies to all routes in France, Spain, and Portugal. A good amount of all Camino routes takes the pilgrim along paved roads, one-lane country roads, two- and four-lane city streets, and even busy motorways. On all of these roads, it is possible, and in many cases likely, that you will encounter motor traffic. When you are crossing the Pyrenees on the high road or Napoleon route, that motor traffic will be small cars and local farmers' trucks, and the speed limits are very low. Not too threatening. But if you are on the low road or the Valcarlos route, and in fact on several stretches of the Frances route, you will be sharing the road with large trucks, buses, passenger cars, and motorcycles, many of which will be moving pretty fast. In Europe, it's normal for pilgrims to walk on the left side of the road, facing oncoming traffic. It's important to be on the left side of the road for two reasons. One, that is where European drivers are expecting you to be. And more importantly, it allows you to see what's coming at you, so you can move off the road if necessary. If you are on the right side of the road walking in the direction of traffic, you can't see what's coming, which means you won't see a vehicle that's not expecting you to be there, that may be hugging the right side of the road. The other safety tip for walking on roads shared with motor traffic is to walk single file. Drivers on the Camino roads are definitely expecting pilgrims, but many of the roads are windy or curvy, and drivers can't see you until they are right on you. If you are walking in the middle of the road, either because you are lost in thought or a podcast, or because you are walking with a group that is spread out across the road, you are at risk of getting hit. I frequently rent cars when I'm in Spain, and I drive along the Camino often. The last thing I want to do is accidentally run into a pilgrim, so I drive slowly and cautiously. I admit, though, that there have been a couple of close calls when pilgrims were unconsciously walking in the middle of the road, or worse, the one time a pilgrim darted out to cross the road without looking first for motor traffic. Pedestrians do have the right-of-way, especially in crosswalks in the cities, and Spanish drivers are quick to hit the brakes. But I want to encourage pilgrims to do their part in keeping themselves safe and preventing everyone's day from being ruined. Be aware, be smart, stay safe. Related to walking on the correct side of the road is the tip not to be listening to music or podcasts, not to have in earphones or AirPods when walking on a road with motor traffic. Your sense of hearing, 
may be even more useful than your sense of sight in protecting you from oncoming vehicles. Our next tip comes to us from Pamplona, from the Camino Teca shop in Pamplona to be exact. I stop into this shop every time I'm in Pamplona to check out their gear inventory, but more importantly, to see if the owner, my friend Istvan, has time to meet up for pinchos after he closes the shop for the day. Istvan and his partner, Anita, are pilgrims and Camino gear experts. And their inventory is specifically and lovingly curated for pilgrims walking the Camino de Santiago. They sell backpacks, clothing, guidebooks, rain gear, scallop shells, pilgrim passports or credenciales, and lots of lightweight Camino-themed souvenirs like pins, patches, stickers, and bracelets. Anything and everything a pilgrim might need all in one compact shop in the historic center of Pamplona. And they sell walking shoes and boots too. And this is where this next tip comes from, from Istvan's key 2023 takeaway that he shared with me last week. Here it is. Many people have no idea what size shoes or boots they need to wear when walking the Camino. Now, before I go on, I have to give you a disclaimer. This tip won't be for everyone, and I'll tell you why as we go. You may have heard that when walking the Camino, you want to select a pair of boots or shoes that is half or one full size larger than your usual size. That's because when you walk for hours at a time, many people's feet will swell, so much so that their boots that seem to fit perfectly start to feel too small. Here's the problem with Camino footwear, Istvan says. Many pilgrims aren't wearing the right size shoes at home, so just adding a half or full size isn't going to do the job. For whatever reason, people are wearing shoes that are too small for their feet to begin with. Is it a perception thing that smaller is better when it comes to foot size and body size? Or are we simply buying the shoe size we have always worn, not accounting for the fact that our feet change as we age? I'm curious, when was the last time you had your feet measured? Back in Season 1, Episode 4, which was the one on selecting your boots, I suggested that you stop by your local shoe or sporting goods store and get your feet measured with one of those metal slidey things. Has your foot gotten wider with age? That's another common problem, Istvan says. Women, especially, he says, are wearing shoes that are too narrow for their feet. He routinely fits women into men's shoes because women's shoes are simply too narrow. Now, let's get back to the question of how much larger than your everyday shoe size do your boots need to be for walking the Camino? Istvan says in some cases, it's one size, and in others, it's two sizes. It depends on your feet and on the boots you want to wear. And again, if you were wearing the correct size shoe to begin with. The only way to know? To try on different boots and do the one finger check. The what? Here's what you do. Step one, 
get your feet measured to be sure you are at the right starting point. Step two, request to try on pairs of boots that are a half size and a full size larger than your actual measured shoe size. Step three, put on the boots, lace them up, and then tap the toe of the boots on the floor or against a wall to move your toes all the way to the front. Step four, check that you have enough space to insert one finger into the heel of the boot between your heel and the back of the boot. If your finger fits, not too snug, not too loose, you've got the right size. Wait, one more thing. It's possible that you could skip this entire exercise simply by shopping for boots after you have just finished a long training walk when your feet are at their swelliest. That's a new word, by the way. I just made it up. Swelliest. Swelled to their walking the Camino size. Here's a side note on boots and shoes. The Hoka brand is all the rage these days, at least among the pilgrims I read about in the women's only Facebook groups. And Ishtvan carries a bunch of Hoka models. Funny thing, he told me that Hokas have changed the color scheme on their inventory. Before Hokas caught on, they couldn't sell any boots that had color accents. It was all shades of brown and beige. Now he says color is just about all pilgrims want. Now that you have the correct size boots, let's talk about training for the Camino. Do you need to train for this walk? To answer that question, I'm going to diverge a bit from my previous discussion on this topic, which was in Season 2, Episode 7. It's not a big diversion. Really, it's just a matter of semantics. Here it is. Instead of talking about training for the Camino, I'm going to talk about conditioning for the Camino. What does that mean? I'm coming to this from a very personal perspective, one of having recently walked all around Pamplona wearing shoes I hadn't walked in much before my current stay in Spain. I was doing the walking tour of Pamplona from my Camino Frances Getting Started audio guide, the one that introduces you to the history, culture, and highlights of that beautiful city. It was the day after I had arrived in Madrid where I had done a fair amount of walking and schlepping of luggage in the same aforementioned shoes. And I discovered that while my shoes were comfortable, my feet had not yet become conditioned to walking in them for a long period of time. And this is the key. Time. Have you thought about how long it will take you to walk the Camino? I'm not talking about how many days or weeks here. I'm talking about how many hours a day you will be walking. How long will it take you to walk your daily distance of 15, 20, 25, or 30 kilometers? If, for example, you walk at an unrushed pace of 4 kilometers an hour, it will take you 5 hours to walk 20 kilometers. Have you walked five hours in your Camino boots in one go? That is what I mean by conditioning. Conditioning your feet to one, being on them for that long at a time, day after day, and two, to having them rub against the boots for that long. 
that is a lot of friction. We have to go two steps further too. Step one, have you conditioned your feet to carrying you plus the weight of your backpack? That's what people mean when they say to train with your Camino backpack fully loaded up. Adding weight changes the way your feet rub, and it certainly takes a toll to carry more weight. Even the 12 to 20 pounds or 7 to 9 kilos you'll carry on the Camino. And step two, have you walked on all types of surfaces? It's not enough to condition your feet to walk on a dirt path. Europe is filled with cobblestone streets and uneven surfaces, and the Camino traverses rocky and scree-filled surfaces, uphill, downhill, and flat surfaces. Every surface has a different impact on your feet. The more time you can spend in your Camino boots walking on these types of surfaces, the better conditioned they will be for the Camino. There is one more body part I want to talk about when we are considering conditioning for the Camino, and that is your heart. Speaking literally, your heart is going to be working hard when you walk the Camino, especially if you will be starting in saint jean pied du port and your first one or two days of walking will be up and over the Pyrenees Mountains. Cardiovascular health is essential. And the best way I know to condition your heart is to get your heart rate up by exercising. If you have hills or mountains where you are, then great. By hiking in your area, you are going to be practicing what you will be doing on the Camino. And if not, walking on a treadmill at an incline is a good way to simulate those uphill walks. You can start slowly with a 1% or 2% incline and then gradually build your way up to 10% or more. Let me disclaim here, though, that if you are not currently active, if you are not exercising regularly or strenuously, I recommend that you consult your doctor before beginning your physical conditioning for the Camino. Once you have the go-ahead from your doctor, then start climbing. While we are on the topic of conditioning, here's one more question. Have you ever slept with earplugs? It's a different experience. Suddenly you can hear your own breathing in stereo, fully amplified. And everything else sounds a bit muffled, like maybe it's there, maybe it's not. This could take a bit of getting used to. Why not do a test run at home? and see if you can get yourself conditioned, there's that word again, to sleeping with earplugs. What else? Well, I'll leave you to think about what other new things you'll be doing on the Camino that you may want to try out before you go. Next up are some observations about trekking poles directly from the trail. I love my trekking poles. And with my lifetime of quirky knee injuries, I can't walk the Camino without them. But I did have to learn how to use them. And my first pair went back to the store because I couldn't figure out the locking mechanism. For many of us, poles take some getting used to. But the number one thing I see on the Camino 
the one tweak that could make a huge difference in your experience using poles is that pilgrims aren't using the straps correctly. In most cases, that means they aren't using the straps at all. So let's take a look at that. I have mentioned this before, and I will probably mention it again. I think it's that important. I have two resources for you that will show you what I think is the best way to use your trekking pole straps. The links are in the show notes, but in case you can't get to the show notes, I'll tell you what to search for on YouTube to find the most recent Camino-specific video on this. Go to YouTube and search for The Perpetual Pilgrim Trekking Poles, and you will find a video by a fabulous dyed blue-haired pilgrim in which she explains how to use the straps and how long your poles should be for the different types of terrain you will encounter on the Camino. Next in line in the, wow, those poles aren't really helping you category, is poles being set too long or too high. The longer your poles, the more energy you have to exert to lift them with each step. You may want to rethink that generic arms at 90 degrees guideline. My solution, shorter poles for flat and uphill surfaces, longer poles for walking downhill. But try it out for yourself and do what feels best. My next tip is one that took me years to sort out, and I still have to think about it most days on the trail. The tip is for when to find food on the Camino and what is available at what time of day. I'm going to try to simplify this. First, let's make sure we understand the principal challenge. Pilgrims walk all morning and often into the afternoon each day. Once we reach our stopping point for the day, we check into our albergue, guest house, or hotel, have a shower, do some laundry, and then go out in the village, town, or city looking for something to eat or drink or both. And all too often we discover the supermarket is closed or the bar isn't serving food. But we are hungry. It's pilgrim eating time. Here's what you need to know. With the exception of the large supermarket chains in the cities, food shops close in the afternoon from roughly 1.30 p.m. to 5 p.m. This window of time is commonly referred to as the siesta, but it's not really about sleeping. This is the time when the people of Spain simply take a break from working. They spend time with their families and friends, enjoy a midday meal, and take care of things at home. So write this down in your Camino notebook. If you want to be certain to get food at a supermarket, food shop, or what is sometimes called an alimentación, you need to be there before 1.30 in the afternoon or after 5 in the evening. Again, except for the larger cities. And then Sundays change everything as most food shops are closed all day. And supermarkets in the large cities, if they are open at all, close in the early afternoon. If you want to get food in a bar or restaurant, you have to flip those hours I just mentioned. Bar and restaurant kitchens serve food from around 1.30 in the afternoon until 4. 
and then they close up until dinner time. In Spain, dinner time can start as late as 8 or 9 p.m., but many places on the Camino serve pilgrims earlier, as early as 7 or 7.30 p.m. If you go into a bar or restaurant on the Camino and they won't serve you, it's usually not because they don't like pilgrims or because they don't understand what you're asking for. It's because the kitchen is, perhaps, about to close or it is closed and there isn't anyone in there to prepare food for you. With any luck, there will be something visible on the counter like some tapas or pinchos so you can get a snack to tide you over until the kitchen or supermarket opens up again. One more point on this topic. Remember that the Camino route passes through different regions and through cities, towns, and villages, and not everyone in every place does things the same way. There will be exceptions to the food timings I just talked about and variations as you move along the trail. I admit, this all takes some practice to get used to. The way I prevent hunger meltdowns is by always having a snack in my pack, like almonds, a piece of fruit, or a granola bar, or a bag of potato chips or crisps available in most bars goes a long way to silencing a growling stomach and replenishing any sodium lost to sweating on the trail. Okay, last tip from the trail for you this time around. This one is about a guidebook that I found at a guest house in Saint-Jean-Pied-du-Port. It's really common for pilgrims to leave things behind at albergues and guest houses once they get to the trail and discover how truly unpleasant it is to carry too much weight in their backpacks. Guidebooks are heavy, so even though pilgrims have spent hard-earned money on them, they do get left behind. These days, many pilgrims use one or more of the Camino apps to find accommodations, food, water fountains, ATMs, and other services along the trail. And one of the most popular apps is the Wise Pilgrim app. For a while now, I've known that the creator of the Wise Pilgrim app also offers a guidebook for the Camino Frances, but I had never seen it. Well, that's the guidebook I found at my guest house in St. Jean. And I have to say, I love it. I love having a guidebook. I love paper maps. I love them more than I love using an app on my tiny smartphone screen. I love how easy it is to flip through the pages and make notes and then find my way back to that last page I was looking at. The Wise Pilgrim Guidebook seems to have exactly the same information as the app in, it seems, exactly the same format as the app. The maps are even the same, and they are so easy to follow, so clear. The Wise Pilgrim Guidebook is smaller and lighter than the other two popular English language guidebooks I've mentioned in previous episodes, those by John Brierley and Bibi Barami. It is missing some things Briarly and Barami include, though, like the spiritual reflections and cultural context, but both of their guidebooks are available in online versions, so you could feasibly have all three. My opinion is that the best app or guidebook 
is the one that organizes information in a way that makes sense to you, which means it will be the one that you will actually use. For that reason, I think it's a good idea to test drive or audition more than one app and more than one guidebook. And if that seems like too much to do, don't worry, you can't make a wrong decision on this one. Okay, those are the tips for this episode. I'll see what else I can come up with for you for the next episode as I spend my time in Robinal del Camino. Or maybe we'll get back to another first-time pilgrim conversation. In the meantime, I wish you a beautiful week filled with Camino dreams. And don't forget to stop by my website or follow the link in the show notes to let me know if you'd like to grab one of those three coaching slots. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Bye for now.